Hello and welcome back to another episode of Money Talks 50 Plus. My name is Rebecca Pope, I'm your host and program specialist for AARP Elderlock. And before we get started today, I just want to mention a few great things that AARP Elderwatch does in partnership with the Colorado Attorney General's Office. One of our main features is our Fraud Victim Support Helpline. If you or someone you know has been a victim of fraud or a scam or has questions about the legitimacy of something, give us a call 800-222-4444, option number two. The other things we do is presentations um, in the community. So if you or a group you're affiliated with wants a presentation on fraud prevention or financial security, give us a call, same number. And then finally, we are recruiting volunteers and clients for peer-to-peer financial counseling. So if you are interested in either assisting people with or getting assistance with checking credit reports and understanding them better, finances after the loss of a loved one, or getting access to local financial resources, please reach out. Be wrapping up our series on women empowerment in Colorado and how that has had so many connections with finances and what we can learn from that history even today. And so today we are going to dive into the 60s. And in the 60s, we see this new consumer market that comes to light after World War II. And this this started in the 50s, but really gains traction in the 60s. And well, you would think women would be the target consumers. Women were discriminated against credit and being able to access credit. The consumer economy that existed required access to credit. Um, so people could participate in it, uh, but in denying women this access to credit, that they reduced their purchasing power and autonomy. And female borrowers really, um, I do want to apologize for the delay in getting these episodes out. I had a bit of a, an emergency that took me away from doing this, but I'm super happy to be back and... We will get caught up. And today we are diving into the 1960s and part of the 70s because this is a really interesting time in the United States. During post-World War II, we see this era where consumer market is popping up, um, but women could not equally access this market. You would think a lot of times that women would be the key demographic for this consumer market, and a lot of times today we are. But this consumer economy required credit. And time and time again, women were denied access to lines of credit, which reduced their purchasing power and autonomy. I just want to clarify, when I'm talking about credit, I'm talking about both um, accessing something like a credit card, which wasn't as popular as they are today, but also accessing and being granted a loan, whether that loan be for business or personal use. And this discrimination really was not based on actual reasons uh, as to why women 
female borrowers would not be able to pay back that loan. So this this is just, you know, random discrimination against women because patriarchy and the patriarchal systems that are set up and have been set up in this country since its inception. And it made it very difficult for women and really reduced autonomy, purchasing power, and their role in society. In the post-World War II era, we do see this boom of women starting to be employed outside the home, whether those be in jobs like um, teaching or working at a department store, working in op as an operator. Um, but this really had no bearing on whether or not they were granted credit. Women had to find a man to co-sign on any sort of loan. And oftentimes this was either her husband or another male fam family member. Um, despite the income that a woman made, they just d discounted that from any sort of consideration for credit. Because the process was deemed so complex, a lot of banks just refused issuing credit to women altogether. And as this discrimination continued on, women turned to activism, creating their own banks, and working to change legislation. Um, and companies in the economy as a whole started realizing that this model um, of keeping women out of the consumer market that popped up after World War II was not financially sustainable, but they did little to change it. And this discrimination happened everywhere, but um, also happened here in Colorado across the state. And in Colorado, the women had um, a bit of a different idea as to how to fight back against this discrimination there were there's actually three things we're going to talk about so the first one is in the 1970s um after few changes were made to child labor laws since they were um, enacted in the early 1900s colorado general assembly updated those laws and so it prevented employment discrimination of women and also got rid of a, a long-standing statute that prohibited women working in mines. Um, it, it actually explicitly says in the legislation there's no basis for this statute and therefore um, because of its discriminatory nature we just have to get rid of it. So these are you know pretty big strides in uh, women's equality and in the fight for women's financial equality but it's of course not enough. And in making changes in legislation, one thing that women advocated a lot for was the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. This prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, national origin, sex, marital status, age, recipient of public assistance, or good faith exercise of any right under the Consumer Credit Protection Act. It also required that creditors provide applicants upon request with the reasons they are denying credit. Um, and so this made it so that women could all of a sudden access credit without having a co-signer that's a man. However, the biggest problem was most women did not know that this law existed. And banks continued to just deny credit to women 
or say you have to have a male cosigner for us to grant you this credit line. Um, and so the problem was that, yes, the law had changed, but the banks weren't abiding by the law. There was really no federal oversight of the banks, and women were not aware that this statute, that this law had passed and made it so that discrimination was um, was illegal. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act also strengthened protections offered by the Consumer Credit Protection Act that was passed in 1968. And this protects consumers from harm by creditors, banks, and credit card companies. It also mandates disclosure requirements that must be followed by consumer lenders and auto leasing firms. Furthermore, it required the total cost of a loan or credit product be disclosed, including how interest is calculated and any fees involved. And so that's why you see on pretty much every single credit offer that comes in the mail exactly how much interest it is, zero APR or whatever um, it may be for that offer, and then you know a fee of $100 annually. It's all right there because it has to be because of this law. Most importantly, especially in relation to the ECOA, it prohibits discrimination when considering a loan applicant and bans misleading advertising practices. You have women that are starting to participate in the workforce, um, especially here in Colorado, and also in the economy, and they know very little about finances and how finances work. So adding this additional protection was really important in making sure that female borrowers were treated equally, um, as equally as possible with all the laws that were set in place. So that the Equal Credit Opportunity Act existed in 1975 in Denver, the very first women's bank opened. And it was a bank that was owned all by women with a board of mostly women and employed also mostly women and allowed for women to take out loans, deposit checks, uh, access lines of credit and do most of the things they could not financially access before this period of time. Um, the Women's Bank was tr truly revolutionary. Uh, it created a space for women not only to be a part of the economy and have autonomy when handling their money, but also learn about finances. The Women's Bank would put on financial classes um, for the community and do education and outreach on uh, for women across Colorado. So the process of opening the Women's Bank started in 1975 with the establishment of the Women's Association. The Women's Association was established by the two bank founders to secure a national bank charter. Um, and the association explained the need for a bank that met the needs specifically of women uh, w with this quote from a brochure. It is well-known fact that women are essentially at the roots of finance, from the everyday financial considerations of a household budget to financial matters concerning all forms and sizes of businesses. Although our first consideration will revolve around the active roles of women in Denver, we are creating a bank that will serve all. A few years later, in July 1977, through very hard work of the women 
associated with opening the bank. The Women's Bank received an approval for a national charter from the Comptroller of Currency, which gives out those charters. This was the process of actually owning, starting, and running a bank. And a huge, huge way of changing the status quo and how banking, especially for women, was kept. And so on July 12th, 1978, the Women's Bank became the second nationally chartered bank that served the needs of women in the country. And they opened for business at 8.30 in the morning, and the first day's deposits exceeded $1 million. And so many people were skeptical of the bank. They really thought it was going to fail. No one was going to go. Why do women need financial autonomy? Where are women going to get the money to save it? Um, Etc. But the bank was actually very, very, very successful. By 1980, uh, the Women's Bank boasted $20 million in deposits, and the bank had actually increased the number of men it served to about 40% of its customer base. This bank was essential in making up the fabric of Denver and the, the strides that women living in Denver and all throughout Colorado have made that have been so important to financial equity for all women. And we can see with the dedication of this bank after, you know, years and years and years of discrimination, being told you need a man to help you, it really flourishes and thrives. And that's something beautiful to see. Perhaps because of the large successes that the Women's Bank had in 1994, the bank was sold to an investor for $17.5 million. Um, it was renamed the Colorado Business Bank in October 1995, and the building where it is still exists today. That is it for today, and we will return shortly with another episode about women really shaping both labor movement, economic function, and society in general. Stay scan safe, and I'll see you soon.